Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of chatting with a field editor with The Patch in Northern Virginia and Washington, D.C. He is also the host and producer of the weekly It's All Journalism podcast and produces the Better News podcast for the American Press Institute. Please welcome Michael O'Connell. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Rob. I mean, we 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 spun a yarn earlier, uh, yeah, so we're going to spin. I think I'm a, done. <laughs> I spent. We're going to spin a different one um, now. I think just to to get more more eyes and ears on it because I think um, obviously from the conversation we were having, you have a wealth of background and knowledge, and there are a lot of crap podcasters out here, and you are obviously not one. So <laughs> I want to um, you know uh, invite you to introduce yourself. I gave you the cut and paste one, but introduce yourself to the fine folks and um, tell them what your background is because. You know, I, I, that's really worth talking about, I think. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a journalist. I, um, I work at Patch, and, you know, I live in Fairfax, Virginia, and, um, you know, my beats parts of uh, Fairfax County, but also uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, is part of my beat, which is a really strange thing for a. If you know anything about local journalism because you know there are a thousand or a million journalists in dc and and you know they're all covering it in different ways much better than i am uh so it's, it's a constant struggle to try to figure out how i can make myself different um since um 2012 august 2012 i uh, i've been uh, the host of the it's all journalism podcast i started it with two other people um way back when we were students who just come out of the um master's program at american university in uh interactive journalism the program's called something different now but uh you know i was uh at the age of 50 um i asked myself for the first time in my life what i wanted to you know where I wanted to be in five years, and I still wanted to be a journalist. But I recognized that, that the industry was changing. So this is like you know 2010, and I knew I needed to up my digital skills. I had worked at a, um, a website during the 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 you know dot bomb era around the the turn of the century, <laughs> and uh, went into print, uh, uh, the Connection newspapers, uh, for about a decade and really hated my job, uh, seriously, seriously hated my job uh, because uh, local newspapers were shrinking and disappearing and I was, you know, the staff was smaller and I was working harder than I had ever before on a, on a product that I hated putting out. And so that was a point where I said, well, what do I want to do in five years? I, I, I felt I s still had an interest in journalism and, um, I, you know, I went into a master's program at, at age 50. And I came out at the other end with a, a real, with real excitement about what was going on in, in journalism and how our industry was changing. And one of the great things about the program of American University was that you know it was a it was a weekend program so we met eight hours every Saturday for 60 weeks and part of that time was taken up by uh, working journalists because DC is a journalist town coming mm -hmm. in and talking about the innovative work that they were doing and I love those conversations because it got me excited about doing journalism in in this new environment environment. And so, you know, through that process somehow, I ended up working at a radio station, the, the, the website of a radio station with two of, the, two of my classmates. And we talked about doing a podcast because I was interested in podcasting. And I thought we should do a podcast about journalism because, you know, we're having these really neat conversations. 
And that's really kind of the thing we missed once we had gotten out of the program. And we thought, you know, there are probably a lot of people around the country who don't have access to the, these types of discussions. Let's, let's do that podcast. And so um, we just like, you know, a couple of months ago, we had our uh, uh, 500th episode of the weekly podcast. Um, you know, I'm the only one of the original producers who's still around. Yeah. I, uh, I produce it with four other people. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at at this moment. <laughs> Just a lot of other experiences that came out of that. That's who I am. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And um, 500, that's a, that's, a big, that's a big number. It's a nice milestone there. Yeah, well, I'm not putting out 10 a, 10 a week like you are, sir. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's a nightmare pace. Uh, but anyway, yeah. yeah, that is a pretty big number. Um, and because we're journalists, we're, we're programmed to celebrate anything that has a round uh, number at the end of it. Yeah. So, so you know, we did a live, you know, live stream and whatever. It was okay. I'll, um, I'll start throwing out zero. I want to make zero a thing. Like, <laughs> I got zero downloads. Like, oh, that's a milestone. There we go. Well, sadly, it's not a milestone. But anyway, so what do you want to know? So I want to talk about. Um, so digital storyteller was a was a term that I, I heard, and I think mm. that's that's big, and I think that's useful as we've kind of shifted to being more online and, and and so on. So that's that's one part. And I want to think of that, and when I ask this this next question, when I have that in mind, when I ask this next question, I think from a journalist perspective, as as a podcaster, what can journalism kind of teach us in good journalism? Teach us about putting out content, especially since that news cycle is coming so fast. It's just like like, as we were saying a little bit earlier before we got started, if you're doing something that's time sensitive, it's like, all right, I need to get this out. I need to get this edited. I need to get this, you know, on like out there for before someone else does it or what have you. How do you stay like, like up to date, but also making sure the stuff, the, the content is properly sourced and things of that nature, especially as things are moving so fast? Well, fortunately, I'm not, you know, my, my podcast is just, just what we're doing right here, you know, talking to interesting people. And so the trick of that then is identifying guests who um, are going to be good, you know, are going to be talking about something of interest. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the only way that our podcast could function, I, I do it with uh, uh, four other people. Um, who do various different jobs on the podcast? I'm I'm, on, I'm the person on the mic, who sort of oversees all the different different things about it. But um, you know, the bottom line is that you know, in order for us to put out a weekly podcast and, and have been able to put out a weekly podcast every week, is we have to we have to uh, record interviews in advance, like far in advance. Like right now. We have 14 interviews in the can, which is actually quite a lot for us. We usually, I, I usually like to keep it around six or eight because that mm -hmm. keeps us kind of fresh. Um, we did have a, you know, the Pew Research Center uh, sent us a report that they were releasing last week, and so we were able to turn around an interview really quickly. But what that ended up doing, of course, was pushing everybody back a week, which is one of the reasons why I don't like having a big back backlog because it just pushes those people we interviewed in January who haven't heard their podcast yet, and it's and it's April. Um, so for us, the the, the timing in this issue is has been problematic, mm -hmm. and so what we try to do is to come up with people who can talk about more about trends and about issues and concerns that are going on. Um, and we find guests by, you know, paying attention to 
you know, various social media accounts and, uh, you know, websites, uh, publications that, that are focused on this. And, and you know, Peach, we've gotten to a point now where a lot of people pitch us as well, mm-hmm. but we're selective about who we want to come onto the podcast and what we want to talk about. That's, yeah, that's absolutely important. And that, that aligns with what you were saying earlier. It's like, look, what, why am I doing this? What, what, yeah. what is the purpose of this podcast? And, you know, if you have like a set, like idea and a set, I guess, uh, demographic that you're looking for and that you're, you're presenting toward, then you're not really just grabbing like who's popping right now. Who's doing great stuff. It's just like, no, who fits into what we're doing and how can we get a meaningful and useful like piece of content from them interview, what have you. And, um, yeah, but sometimes there is that rush thing and I run into it on occasion where, uh, doing these kind of themed months. Um, so in March it was dope ass women as I described it. And it was just women who were doing a lot of different cool things in arts and culture. And some of those interviews were, um, recorded back in like November and they yeah. were held on and you know, people would ask, but not a lot of times people would ask, they would just be like, Oh wow, that came out great. And <laughs> I make it sure I have that follow up. And I want to say one of the really cool things that happened, uh, I started off with the month and I kind of communicated to the guests cause I know it'd been a while that I did this for this month and I wanted to make sure you were included cause you're one of the best, you know, women business owners here in the city. And her response was sending me a nice handwritten note and pretty much their whole line of granola that came out in the last year as a thank you. It was like a big box of granola at my house. And I was like, okay, that works super effectively. (laughs) Yes. She was like, well, maybe she was saying just, you need to be healthier. Less trans fats, more granola. Enjoy. So yeah, go on. on. No, please, please. No, 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 no. That's, uh, you know, um, see the other, the other thing you don't think about is by making the choices of not being timely and maybe not even maybe going after a big name guest is you do lose out on some uh, promotion around it. Mm-hmm. So part of the reason, like we, we had this, this Pew research um, thing because they had written something big about it and they were going to be on different shows and stuff talking about it. And we had an opportunity, okay, well let's turn this around real quick so we can get a little of that, you know, get a little attention to us as well. And so occasionally we'll do stuff like that for that very reason because our audience uh, our audience is not a broad audience our, we're not looking for like people who are interested in news we're mostly looking for journalists thought leaders in the media space and so we have an opportunity to sort of you know highlight something that's in the discussion you know and the, the stars align then, then we'll you know we're, we're nimble enough that we're able to do, you know jump on that and do it but we wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't know we had you know, ep- you know, episodes in the bank. So part of it is is promotion. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting seen in front of the the large, um, you know, the uh, the larger audience who are, who are thinking about something that's going on that's newsy. The other thing, and you still get some of this, you know, by choosing who your guest is, is the promotion your guest can give you. Yes. If they have a, a large number of followers in social media or whatever, you know, if they're happy with the, the interview, I've, I, can, I can say I have a pretty good batting average as people being happy. <laughs> I've only had one person who uh, was a very big dick about uh, <laughs> complaining about uh, the, 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 the interview. Um, and, and of course it was about something that was incredibly minor. Um, but that's, that's, that's what that is. Uh, but you know, more often than not, the other thing is I always, I always keep in mind when I'm talking to guests, you know, it's some of them, you know, if we're going to be going after, you know, people who are thought leaders, people who are doing important work, they're going to be busy Mm -hmm. and they're giving us their time. 
Yeah. And so we need to be ready to talk to them. We need to, you know, have make sure everything's set up the way so that when they come on, that they're, they're not thinking about anything except just answering the questions. And so that's 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 another one of those skills, those soft skills in podcasting that people don't always think about. Um, yeah. That you know they just figured this, you know, because of. <laughs> One thing I didn't I, do, I didn't talk about is sort of the things that came out of podcasting. I wrote a book about podcasting. I I ended up getting, teaching classes at American <laughs> University, and I've done presentations in front of groups where you know talking about podcasting. And, and you know, ninety nine percent of the time, the first thing they ask you is you know how do I how do I record a podcast? Because everybody <laughs> thinks strictly in terms of like the technical side of it, that that, mm-hmm. that suddenly is the most important thing that, that, you know, if they can master the technology of it, bam, they're going to have a successful po- podcast. And actually, the you know, the the uh, the bar for, for producing a, a well, you know, a good sounding podcast is very low. And yeah. the effort, I mean, it doesn't take you that long to sort of master things, but there, there are things that these other sort of intangible elements that, that nobody ever talks about in podcasting is what really sort of dis, you make the distinction between just a, you know, a run-of-the-mill podcast and one that people want to listen to. And those are the, those are the areas that you really need to put your, your thinking to, toward. Like, who, you know, what does it sound like? Who, do you, who are you talking to? Who's your yeah. audience? Um, you know, why does why does why do you want somebody to listen to your arts podcast or your yeah. journalism podcast when there are you know fifty other a hundred other uh, podcasts like it you know in the area? What makes yours different? What makes yours interesting? And those are the things that people mm-hmm. just fail to you know think about until they're you know six episodes in. They don't have you know audiences a hundred thousand people, and it's actually really kind of hard to do a podcast, <laughs> so they drop that- out. That's the, that's the thing that's, I remember that phenomenon called uh, pod stopping, where people would get in there, start a few, and then just punt. And it, it, I think one of the things that you, you touched on, and I just threw this in as, as a question, because it's interesting to me, of how does one like embrace their strangeness or those unique qualities that make you adept at what you do? Because like... I can do a lot of these. I can do a lot of interviews and I'll have goofy observations and things of that nature. And I try to insert more of myself in the interview that makes it feel more authentic, like it's a conversation versus this highly scripted, highly uh, formatted thing. And it's really not entertaining. And I think I can have conversations about, hey, man, tell me about being a podcaster, man. This is great. A podcast about it's just meta, right? But you know, being able to approach it with an exuberance and this this kind of like childlike wonder, which I think talking to people I generally have because I'm learning something new. Yeah. yeah so how, have, how do you embrace that strangeness and those unique qualities for yourself? Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a that's you know skill number one in journalism: listening to people. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're 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 only going to be able to to get the truth. You're only going to be able to get answers if you listen to people. It's not just the questions. You ask questions that are going to elicit some sort of response. But you know, what is it that you 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 hear them say? And it's again, this is one of the things that's so strong. It's so great about podcasting because it's all in the mind. It's it's because it's not visual. It's because it's. You know, it's a thing that you carry around with you. It's your your companion in your car or when you're doing your dishes or whatever, and you're connecting to the voice and the and, and the authenticity of the uh, of the host. But the other thing yeah. is is you kind of alluded to this. this. What you and I are doing is is completely artificial. This is an artificial construct that you and I have agreed to do. Yes. <laughs> this is not us at a party just you know talking to somebody we don't know. 
you, you know, you sent me questions ahead of time. We talked a little bit ahead of time about, you know, what, what types of things we're going to be talking about. And the role of the, the podcast to host is a, is a performance, yeah. You're, which is very different than um, in most cases. I, I, you know, I think broadcast and both TV and radio, it's a little bit different because you're creating something where there's a dialogue and you're sort of giving this, this impression that this is maybe off the cuff or it's, it's, it's um, a real conversation, but in fact, it's artificial. Yeah. Um, so the fact that you and I agreed to meet at a particular time and, and you had sent me some questions and we were going to talk about this. So this isn't like a real thing. Yeah. And so that's where you sort of embrace it. And what is your role in it as the host? You know, are you, you know, are you just the person who says yes and listens and asks a question or <laughs> are you slowly. somebody who <laughs> listens and gets excited? Um, here's that little thing that the person says in the midst of their answer that you key on and say, well, that's really fascinating. I, I, yeah. I like that and, and believe it. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Cause that feeds into your genuineness. I say this is artificial just in the broad sense, it's not that I don't, I'm not interested in what people are saying, but I'm also a bit of the, you know, I'm the, I'm the circus, you know, barker. I'm the, I'm the person who's leading <laughs> yeah. the parade. I, yeah. you know, I need to make sure that we're going to get out of here at, you know, after however many minutes that, you know, whatever this guest who came in to talk about a particular thing is going to answer um, the questions that people are going to want to hear. And then at the end of that, I'm going to take all that and I'm going to edit it down. Yep. I mean, when I started doing podcasts, the sort of, you know, the Mark Marin, the, um, the Nerdist type podcast, the interview type things gave you this impression that, that it was all off the cuff, mm -hmm. but they're all, you know, all, all good podcasts are, are, are well edited and yep. to the point where you don't realize it. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, something that somebody says in the 30th minute is something that should be put at the front of the podcast. And so, the, and, 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 and making that work is, is something that can be difficult in the post-production. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this idea of you and your friend are going to be in the garage, you're going to set up your mics really great, and you're going to talk about movies for 60 minutes, and then you're going to immediately load up, you know, load it up online, and people are going to want to download it and listen to it. Yeah, that's not the case. You, I mean, you know, it's different. Then there's sort of this other end of it. Um, you can tell I've, I've thought about these things a lot. <laughs> but no, this, this, this sort of NPR type thinking of it, that yeah. the, the audio file aspect of it, that mm -hmm. it is, it's so produced that it, that it isn't really kind of real. Um, I sort of shied away from doing a podcast where I'm like writing narratives and, and like cutting in different types of pieces of audio because, as I used to tell people very obnoxiously, I like to chew my own food. I like to, <laughs> I like to, you know, I want to hear what people have to say. And it's okay if you edit it. I'm a journalist. I understand the need for editing, uh, editing and organizing. Yeah. Um, and that's so, so, you know, anyway. That's where I was going no, with that, no, no, no. that interest or anything. But those are a lot of different thoughts I've had. No, and I think those those thoughts are, and I share many of those thoughts, if if not all of them. Like it's it's a weird kind of conversation that that we've been having because it's almost like listening to the future version of me in some regards. Yeah. It's like, huh? It's like, well, hey, and, don't don't do that episode now. <laughs> and the other thing is, you probably felt pretty comfortable having a journal or not a journalist, but a a, a podcaster come on because because yeah. you, you knew that they were going to be. They're not going to. 
you know, they're not going to sit there and wait for you to ask some question, or they're going to be afraid. They know that they're they're part of the performance. They they need to answer that question. And performance, I don't want that in a, in a derisive way. I just think that more in a in a that that idea of this is something that is structured. Um, that this is something that the host is driving. Um, you know, that's not a natural thing that occurs in most in most people's lives. Yeah, th- that's one of the things that was very. I, I think when you get to a point, especially when you're you're partnering with someone, right? Um, yeah. And you know, this is pretty much a, a solo project or what have you, um, with you know guests that come on, and you want to get an idea of what the guests are doing and kind of what you were touching on earlier. How can I make them as comfortable as possible so they could just be on and just talk their talk and really get that from it? I'm there to help facilitate. Yeah. And and one of the things that used to stick out because I've done live shows and things of that nature. Um, I did my ten anniversary show uh, from just me being in a podcasting a couple years back and it was it was a great experience but it was a very nerve-wracking experience because I'm very hands-on and we're always DIY in it and you're always kind of at a deficit and sometimes when people aren't taking the journey with you it's like recognize that it is a performance piece that's the thing that stuck out to me that you were saying and people might miss that and think, oh, we're just talking. No, we are performing. There are people in front of us. There are people that are going to consume this. So tell the truth, but also recognize that, you know, have a more fleshed out answer, you know, and really be a part of that process versus just, yes, I kind of said my piece. Then it's a five minute conversation. It's a bunch of yeses and a bunch of noes. Like have something that's a little bit more like useful. Yeah, I would imagine, I mean, we're both in professions or we're both doing podcasts uh, in in people who use their minds and express themselves. So more often than not, we know that we're going to have a guest on that they should be able to, you know, you should be able to generate a conversation that's going to be interesting because you're going to be talking about the things that they that they know and that they and they're going to know to, um, you know, you know, feed off of you and, and, and have a conversation that, that's interesting and informative. But, you know, I, I had a podcast recording once where, well, I want to talk about two. I had one where I was ill-prepared for somebody who was a very technical um, uh, guest who was talking about something incredibly technical that I had no real idea what it was. <laughs> it's the worst. And I got to a point like five minutes in and I had no idea what we were talking about. And it was a struggle. <laughs> it was a struggle. And I felt really, really bad because I wasn't prepared. And it was yeah. unfair for the person I was talking to. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we got through the end of it. And it was an okay episode. But it was one that, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from that about myself. About, you know, make sure you understand what you're going to be talking about. Make sure you're choosy about who your guest stars the other. But then I had another episode where we had a guy who was, you know... His he you know he's not the guy who goes to conferences and talks about whatever this particular you know computer program is that he's working on. He's the guy who's working on the computer program, and I sent him the questions. And as soon as I deviated from that first question, he was just he just was stunned. And uh, you know, and then it became very clear that he'd only prepared to answer those questions. Right, and so I asked those questions in the order because that's what he was comfortable doing. And by the end, we, did, we you know, he'd answered all the questions. We we didn't really have any much else to say. And, and you know, again, it was an okay question, you know, you know, an okay interview, not a great interview. Not I don't know if it was particularly 
uh, a good thing to to listen to. I, I produced a podcast for somebody else where the you know we sent the questions and this woman came in with a she had she had written out her all answer and she read the whole answer. <laughs> And I was, it was not, you know, it's not, not my podcast. I was like doing it for somebody else. And I was right. just, Jesus Christ, what is this? So how can we trim um, this down? <laughs> yeah. No, it was just like, it was like, okay. And I understand. And it was like, she was, she was like a government official or something or at a government agency or something. And, and so, you know, they, in those situations, you know, people like that don't always have, control over what Mm -hmm. they can talk about and so they're very nervous about saying the wrong thing so you know that sometimes they but but actually a scripted answer was not something that that i would have anticipated i've i've only had in i think uh, there have been 270 episodes that have been released of this particular pod and show off go on (laughs) and uh there's only been two instances that, you know, I did a pre-check, kind of how we were, we were talking. It was about yeah. the same length. And the guy was weird. It's like his the bio that he gave me, he was like, oh, that's outdated. I was like, then you should probably update it. And then he wanted to not talk about the craft that he was doing. He wanted to talk about his band. And I was like, I, I don't think I care about your band. And it got weird because he was trying to tell me how to do my own show. And I was like, okay. And while we were talking, I was like disinviting him to the interview. I was like, delete this calendarly link. And it just wasn't going to work. And I was like, this is too much of a pull at this juncture. And there was only one other instance where we recorded an interview. And um, the guest was like, I was super nervous. I got a little political there because they were, um, they were, they moved into the country and they were, they weren't from here. And they kind of said what their experience was being a person that was an immigrant and an immigrant as an artist will have, you know, it's like, I mean, I don't think it was bad, but if you're not comfortable with it, we, I'm happy to re-record it. And, you know, that's fine. And then when we redid it, the second interview was such, was, was such parsed down, less seasoning, if you will. Yeah. And I was like, this was a safer interview, but the first one was better. The first one was a lot better. It was much more entertaining. Yeah, because you had the freshness in it. And like we had a, I, I just did an interview uh, actually, it was the Pew the Pew Research one, mm-hmm. uh, and I was having really uh, I was connection problems with my computer, and so uh, we had to end the interview. We we sort of started it, and it, you know, I kept losing the signal, and so we had to end the interview, and then I sort of worked through my you know whatever issues I was having with my you know my wireless hookup. And a contact in the back said, yeah, I think, you know, whenever you want to do this, says, well, she's free this afternoon. Let's do it. So we got back on and um, <laughs> we started and we were both like, like talking super fast because we <laughs> wanted to get everything done in before the signal went out. And then, and, you know, we got to the end and I was like, yeah, it was probably a little rushed. I think. And she said, yeah, I think so. Because, uh, but, you know. It is what it is. I, I don't think I'm trying to remember. I know. I know. I had a bad audio once where we had to re-interview, mm-hmm. and I think it probably was a little bit better. And then, yeah. And then one time I, I did I, I didn't record didn't record at all. Uh, it's, it's only happened to me once. And I and fortunately it was a a, a, a good friend of mine, and, and she didn't mind too much. But I've never gone back and to interview her. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we'll we'll set up another time to talk. But it just never happened. So. So tricks of the trade. 
one of the cool things in kind of being able to speak in this sort of kind of stream of consciousness sort of way, most of the questions have been answered, but I do want to key in on two other main things. And these are the, the last two that I had before I get to a few rapid fire questions I got for you. Um, so I, I want to learn a little bit more about that experience in, in putting together your, your book or what have you, uh, The Down and Dirty uh, Guide to Podcasting, uh, because I have an aspiration very similar to producing something like that. And I want to kind of talk about, you know, your, your your experience in that process of putting the book together and um, and, and even teaching in that, that same regard. Um, OK, so just just so everybody sort of understands, um, the podcast led to the book. The book led to the teaching. The teaching le- led to other opportunities, which are beyond insane. But you know, we can talk about those if we want to. But um, I was going to be doing a presentation at uh, the Online News Association conference in Los Angeles, and I had just been out. Actually, I, was, I had just been out at at um, in, uh, at a conference in in Salt Lake City where I interviewed a bunch of people, and for some reason, I decided. You know, there's an aspect of our po- of our podcast website where you know we have the ability to put bro- bo- blog posts. So every yep. once in a while, you know, if, if I decided that I wanted to do write about something that's in the news, I would post it on the blog. Um, I do that very infrequently now because we have the newsletter and, and a lot of that material ends up in there. But you know, I just said, you know, it's kind of a big deal. I'm you know I'm running the pod at that point. I was doing the pod te- podcast completely by myself, and I thought. You know, part of our podcast is to teach people new skills. You know, it'd be probably there are people out there who'd be interested in learning how to do a podcast. So, I did a I did a um, a post on our on our blog explaining um, you know how we how to, how I start how we started the podcast, um, how we record, how we edit, how we post. You know, a lot of the basic stuff that you need to know. And it wasn't really a, a big in depth thing, but it was just like. Hey, here's a first flush. If you're thinking about doing a um, uh, a podcast, uh, here you know here are the basics. So I was going out to Los Angeles, and I got I got contacted by this uh, guy from from uh, Rutledge Books, who said, "Hey, can we meet when you're at the conference?" So I met with him. This is editor, and so he talked about. And he said, "You know, we'd be interested in doing a how-to podcast book because a lot of people are want to do it. I saw that you'd written about it. Do you think you'd be interested in writing a book?" And you know, I'm a journalist. You know, I I've written all my adult life, so I felt comfortable. I had never written anything that long. And so we went, you know, so he, it started by, I had to put together a, a pitch of, and, and I just got, you know, over a couple of weeks, I, I, I said, okay, well, what, you know, if, if I wanted somebody to, to tell somebody how to, how they should do a podcast, you know, what are the things that they should be doing? No, technically, what are the things they should know? non-technically about a podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, put together an outline, I got feedback, I, I ended up doing another pitch, and they went before their editorial board and they accepted it. And then I signed a contract and they said, okay, 10 months from now, we need a, we need a, um, we need a manuscript. I had no, you know, they didn't say we need it to be X number of words. They just, you know, we need, you know, we need you to write this book that you've pitched in 10 months. And never having written anything that long, I was like, oh, oh okay, this shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and I've written about this on the, on the, on the, um, on my blog. Um, after the fact, I wrote about this. I, you know, I suffer from, you know, an anxiety disorder and I immediately had 
and a, you know, an anxiety attack because I had signed this thing. I was writing something I'd never, you know, I've never written anything that long before. I didn't know how to do it. And so then I, I was like, okay, what is it you know how to do? And I was like, okay, I know how to interview. So I spent like two months just interviewing everybody I could, I could find who everybody who talked to me about podcasting. So I had about 60 interviews. Um, and then I was like, okay, now I've got, you know, you know, six or eight months that I got to, I got to finish this manuscript. I got to, you know, edit it. And then I got to send it to them and then plus get all of the other extraneous materials that go with it. And I had a really bad uh, anxiety attack. But then, then again, thinking about it, I looked back at my outline and then I, and I said, okay, well, this is what I want to do. And I took the outline and I sort of spread it out over that period of time. And I said, okay, how many, how many words can I write a, you know, in, in a night, in, in, in like three, four hours a night. And so, you know, I, you know, I started working on the introduction and I got a sense of, okay, it takes me, you know, these many days to do a chapter, you know, times that by the number of chapters I've said, that's how many days it's going to take me to write this book. I'm going to spread yeah. it out on the calendar. Um, I still have my family I have to, I have to live with in yeah. my family life and deal with. I have a job that I still got to do. Uh, I got a podcast that I still got to do. I got to do all those things and I got to set time aside each day. But I committed myself that in that, that, that three or four hours every night I would do this. Yeah. And then if I did that, by the time I got to you know day 60 or whatever, the book would be written and then I could have X number of days to edit it. And after that, I, um, you know, there was a point where I got into about three or four chapters and I realized I needed another chapter that there was a whole nother section that I hadn't really thought about, but that I had in the notes and I sort of broke it out. And so then I looked at my schedule and I had built in some time and you know, I did, I did it. I, every night I sat down and I wrote the book and went to bed I woke up the next day, did my job, did my podcast, we had, had dinner, hung out with my family, and then at you know, 6.30, 7 o'clock, boom, I was writing a book. Yeah. And I did that for however many months it took, and I got, at the end of it, I, got to, I had a book that I could edit, and then I could send them, and I turned it in a day early. But it was all because I, I sort of gave myself over to the process. You know, since then, we, you know, I've talked to, I've interviewed some long-form journalists, and they talk about different other strategies that do it. But really, it's, you know, assessing what you, you think you can do in your life and, you know, prioritizing it and then committing to whatever, you know, goals that you set for yourself. You know, sacrifice the things you know you're going to have to sacrifice. But, you know, if I had just like, nah, you know, I, I can do, you know, I'm going to take tonight off, I'll... I'll I'll, uh, I'll work on it over the weekend. That you know, the book would never have been done if I'd done that. I, I had to commit to whatever the plan was, and so just be organized. And and that in and of itself is an extension of the the podcast itself. Is like, yeah. especially during that time when I was the only one working on it. It was you know how can I do the podcast around the rest of my life and you know figure out those strategies and you know. Maybe that meant going to work earlier or staying late or staying up late or, you know, doing whatever, but committing to the things that, ha that had to be done uh, so that, that you could succeed. Yeah. Um, and, and, and thank you. I, I vibe on that because um, 
that's how I've really been been doing the podcast. And and I, I was joking about it earlier. Of uh, it's the only thing that I was good at. <laughs> but yeah. really, you know, there's several things that I'm good at. But really, with with this one, it's just like, all right, I know what this looks like, and having a formula, and really, as you said, giving yourself over to the process and. Um, I remember talking with my girlfriend and she was just like, you're really riding this wave of energy. And I was like, I'm working off of spite, spite <laughs> and ambition. And, uh, you know, just not base really, her emotions. <laughs> absolutely. And, and not really feeling like, you know, for a long time that was, was getting that acknowledgement and the stuff that I don't really like and don't feel like I'm optimal at doing, I'm trying to find ways to offload that. So I don't edit my podcast anymore. I have an editor and I've been working for, with this editor for a while and they know what I try to do and what my aim is. And I'll listen and give them notes, but I'm not touching those keys unless it's something that's a very rushed thing, but I don't do those anymore. And having, having things banked really works out in that way to kind of give yeah. me flexibility and, and timing. Um, and yeah, especially, you know, I, anxiety, all of that stuff. And if I go on stage and I don't feel like I'm properly prepared or if it's show day and it's like, ah, I got to take the shirt off and get on stage. Well, not take the shirt off, but get on stage. And I, I, the well, last the strippers time, ain't going to strip themselves. This is true. This is true. <laughs> the, the thing I was telling you about with the, 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 the movie, um, screening that I was doing because it was an idea that I came up with and it was an extension of this podcast, uh, I felt so anxious about it. I had a headache for the majority of the day. Couldn't eat, couldn't do really anything other than I just need to get on stage. And it came through. I was hypercritical of that performance aspect, this contrived thing. Hey, I invited you guys here. I got a few things I want to say. Here's this movie. This is not a organic thing. And I learned a lot from it, right? I learned from what I viewed as not necessarily a failure, because I've learned this thing of not burying your failure, but I've yeah. learned, you know, from, all right, this didn't go ideal. What can I learn from it? So when I did the next one, I killed it, you know, made my, made my confidence level go up. And now when someone comes to me about these new opportunities, as you were talking about, like, you know, people might ask you to speak, people might ask you to do an MC thing, these different things that aren't necessarily podcast related, but they kind of are an extension of it. I have supreme confidence in that now. You say yes. It's it's the you know the opening yourself up to saying yes to things that that do not appear to have any mm-hmm. benefit, long term benefit for you. Yeah. Because yeah, I can't tell how many things that have come out of this podcast, or things that happened in my life that only happened because I did this podcast. And it's not because you know people listen to me. And, oh, yeah, yeah, we need him to do this. It was more about, you know, oh, I'm going to go to this conference and I'm going to talk to somebody. Oh, you know, you want to collaborate on something? Great. You know, I wouldn't have met that person or I wouldn't have gone to this place. Um, and, and just sort of open your up, yourself up and having confidence. I mean, you've done, you know, you're saying you've been doing podcasts for 13 years. I mean, that's an achievement. And you yep. should be very confident. And but we're all gonna we're all gonna run into things. I get that sinking feeling sometimes in in my life, yeah. where I, I feel like I, I failed at something, you know, momentary or you know, or, or like oh man, I wish I hadn't said that, or I wish I wish this circumstance was different. But yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you have the, you have your podcast. I have my podcast. This is you know, this is the thing that we created. Yeah. Um, a lot of here. That we're, that we're, you know, I, I collaborate with other people and that's part of, for me, that's part of the joy of it. I, yeah. I, I like the people I, the, that I do the podcast with, you know, 
that being said, I did it for a long time by myself, and I, I don't want necessarily want to go back to it, but that's something I always know, that whenever you run into a failure, there, you know, the failure doesn't necessarily mean the end of the line, you know, just, you know, step back. You know, I'm, you know, I'm 61, you know, I, at 50, I, I said, I want to do something yeah. and I did it and I, and I made a change, a substantive change in my life for the better. And uh, so many opportunities I've, I've done so much. I, I've started saying this more recently. It's like my third act is much better than my first two acts. Yeah. Because I I made choices, and I, and I was was confident, but also not you know confident in the sense that I didn't care about anybody else or I was negative to other people or anything. But you know also opening myself up to you know feeling and thinking about other people as well. Yeah. So it's all a, a maturation thing. It, it, you know you can't just do it for your own ego. You can't just do it. Because I'm doing this podcast, it's my podcast, I'm going to do it, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I mean, I do the podcast because, again, I get to work with these people, uh, these other opportunities happen. But it's also, I feel like we're having conversations that are important. If I was just, you know, talking about it, something I didn't think was important, you know, I'd be bored with this. I'd be it, on to something else. It turns into a vanity thing. Um, I don't want that. And I, I will say, yeah. and, and this came out of, and this is kind of the last, like, illumination, I guess, before I get to a few rapid fire things, is... Um, <laughs> I had an interview with, and hasn't hasn't debuted yet, but I had an interview with a, a person in theater, and it was just a small world situation. Mm -hmm. uh, her brother was a classmate of mine in high school, and I was like, what? How? How? And we were just kind of joke, joking about it, and she'd asked me... Um, she one she made an assess, assessment. She was like, "You're type A personality." I was like, "No, I'm not." And she's like, "You're absolutely a type A personality." And started breaking down why. And she was like, "Let me guess, you were on a stage when you were a kid." And I was like, "No." And I thought about it. I was an MC for something at, mm -hmm. at like five. I was on the stage when I was in high school. And, and same same thing it's in high school thing. as well. I know it is. And and she was just like, "No, this is why you're you're doing this. Just you're able to do this because you have this this skill that's just right there, and it's gotten buried, but really it's there. And what is that through line?" And she was just like, "Just start thinking about how the different things that you do, maybe your motivations or how you do or why you do certain things, how those things connect it versus being dissimilar, and that'll give you path and that'll lead you to what you should do." next and you know, that stuck you, with me you, you know something you said when you, you were talking before about you know the, the sort of negative emotions of why you did you do certain things <laughs> every once in a while and, and this actually you know i have this, i'm not going to go into the whole big story about it but um I, I had something that occurred in my life in my professional life that was very much and i think about this every once in a while you, you remember michael jordan you know who michael jordan was yeah right? fellow aquarius let's go yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he um you know he left the bill or the bills it was not the bills it was uh, bulls. the bulls <laughs> My, my wife's in Buffalo. That's that goes right where that goes. Um, but, you know, he left the Bulls to play baseball. And he thought, probably, that he was going to be, like, in the major leagues. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I want to play baseball. And so he ended up in a, in a minor, on a minor league team. And, I, you know, I, 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 can, I can bet you there was some young guy who, like, oh, my God, I'm on this team. I'm going to play this position. This is going to be my break. I'm going to be able to show people. And, and this is going to be my ticket to whatever. Yeah. And then Michael Jordan shows up. And he's going to play every day because he's fucking Michael Jordan. Right. And, and, and you know, it's all about him. And it's all, you know, and, and, and the team's going to be, we got to have him on the field because people are coming to see him. So so that, that guy who's sitting on the, the bench, 
who this was his ride Mm-hmm. To whatever, for him to prove himself, you know, and fail or succeed on his ability, he's not going to have the chance. Right. Because some guy's ego mm-hmm. got in the way. And, you know, I had that happened to me in my, <laughs> that happened to me in my professional life. And it pissed me off. Yeah. But that was, but that's part of the formula. It, it's part of the, you know, the recipe of your life of who you are. And you know how you deal with that. You, you carry that resentment. Obviously, I'm talking about it. I must carry the resentment to a degree. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, it's just you know changing the re- direction of your life and, and understanding that you know, good or bad, there are things that you can't control. But mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, make something out of what you have. Yeah. And you know, that's what the podcast is making something out of what I had and the things that interest me. And part of it is that. You know, with the other people that I do this, we can kind of control what we want to do. We don't have to do a podcast because we're not working for some. We're not. We're not having to ch- to change things because we work for somebody else. We can make all the decisions about how we want this to do because we're completely in control of it. That's that's one of the alluring things. Um, so I think that's a good place for us to stop. And I want to throw throw these out there to you real quick. Uh, I call them rapid fire, but really I think I might change it to random fire because okay. they're fast but they're random. Uh, but this one kind of connects to what we've been talking about. What is your preferred recording um, tool? Um, are you using Zoom? Is it uh, the, like the Zoom, the device, or is it Zoom, like the app? What are you using to record your podcast? Um, we, we use Zoom now. Uh, we used a couple of other different things. I used to, you know, when I worked at the radio station, we, we used the um, the system they had there for people to call in. Mm. And, and sometimes we would get them into this. If, if we could get them into the studio, we would try to do that. But that was a big nightmare around our job and trying to get people to come on the weekends or after hours. But now, I mean, Zoom. I mean, when I when I left the radio station, this is the only way I could continue the podcast. Although occasionally I'll go out with a, like I have a, a H6 Zoom uh, yeah. that I can put, you know, four microphones in if I want yeah. to interview four people, but I haven't done that. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll do in-person interviews if the opportunity. I've, I've gone to conferences where I've created podcasts out of interviews I've done with my iPhone. Nice. I um I have the uh, the 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 comedy club there's an H six and um what like two year, yeah two years ago my, my girl got me the um the pod track that you can have the yeah. Bluetooth connector and all of that four mics it is great I can carry my whole gear in a fanny pack now because I have lavalier mics it is a ten on ten and like is that all your gear it's like it is. I'm a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a utility you know, you belt. Go, you go kit. You gotta have. It, it's got to be portable. You can't yeah. like bring a big board around with you. Can't do it. Can't do um, it. So this is particularly interested in, and this is a political question, and oh. it's very political. I'm a journalist. I'm not allowed to have political opinions. Sorry. Express political. Go on. Uh, French fries or onion rings? <sighs> Told you it's political. I, you know, I want to say uh, onion rings, but it's French fries. Okay. I learned recently there are nine different cuts of french fries, and um, my girlfriend and I had an argument about it on her birthday, so that shows you where I'm at in life. Yeah, but it's it's like, you know, the problem is is the, 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 like the onion rings you get, <laughs> by and large, are like f- frozen onion rings. They're, yeah. they're something that came out of a factory, so they're not really good. I actually spent a summer um, working in a kitchen, and part of my job was... Um, slicing onion rings for because um, for, they would have these big onion ring baskets that they would do and it was like like pounds and pounds of onion rings and I came home my wife can't stand the smell of onions and I smelled of onions for an entire summer 
So, and that's not, and I love onions, and so it didn't didn't bother me. But it's just, yeah. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, I'm eating French fries. Yeah, I'm absolutely, not. absolutely. Oh well, let uh, me ask you: oranges or apples? Uh, that's that's, that's tough. Uh, I'm gonna go oranges. Yeah. <sighs> Wrong I mean, answer. I've had no. a lot of bad <laughs> apples. I've had a lot of bad apples. If it's crisp, <laughs> like juicier with your apples. Well, you know there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, phantom apples out there that, that are that like <laughs> like I didn't realize because I, I used to make a lot of pies. I didn't realize that there are apples you just don't make a pie out of because yeah. they just turn to mush and they taste yeah. terrible. And then some apples are mealy, can't do you it. Know, and some are are too tart. Some are sweet. What I what I under, understand is. Is everybody's sort of gravitating toward the app, the Honeycrisp, mm-hmm. and that's uh, causing problems with other types of apples in the um, horticulture business. Yeah. So anyway, that's a, that was our horticulture <laughs> segment. Of Sponsored anyway. by Big Apple. What yeah, yeah, the Big Apple. Well, I, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's exactly. Uh, this is this is the last one I got for you. This is one I've recently added, which um, I had a, well, the first time I tried it. I did it with a comedian, and he, of course, turned it into a bit. <laughs> what are what are three things that are currently next to your bed? Like on your headboard, on your stand? What's what's three things that are just next to your bed? Well, my CPAP because I because I have uh, sleep apnea is on my pillow. My my uh, office is three inches uh, and, and recording studio is three inches from my bed. I, <laughs> I work at home, so my my entire COVID was really great. My entire life was in this space right here. Um, I nearly lost my mind. Um, I've got a bunch of letters that I bought, like over the weekend. This is interesting. Um, <laughs> that I—it's a whole long thing. I—I I, I, um, in addition to all the other stuff I do, I happen to be something of an expert on on Milton Kniff, the artist who drew Terry and the Pirates, mm-hmm. um, and uh, written things about it for comic magazines and stuff like that. So. Uh, but these are a bunch of letters that he corresponded with a woman uh, who, uh, this is like when he was young, he uh, was looking for other work as an artist when he was working for the Associated Press. And he was drawing illustrations for this woman who had a paint magazine called uh, Save the Surface. So paint and lacquer company. So he was drawing like cartoons for that. This is the guy who ends up creating the greatest adventure strip of the of the the 1930s and 40s. Yeah. Um, just cranking these things out so he can get these $25 checks to help him uh, uh, meet ends meet when he's in his 20s or make ends meet in his 20s. Wow, that's well. that's kind of too. And then I also this is my uh, Mark Marin <laughs> mug. This is this is required. Uh, by all podcasters, I, I, I had some a few years ago. They broke. I bought two. I bought two, and the first one, I the other one, I immediately broke. Uh, so this one is up here, just to have water, so I can clean up my. Um, now you say you also do a, like a movie podcast. I do. Yeah. Your favorite room, your favorite movie of uh, 2021. Favorite movie of 2021. Uh, it's probably going to be Judas and the Black Messiah. I believe that was early That's 2021. That's a pretty good movie. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of that. Uh, and I really liked Spider-Man Far From Home. I mean, No Way Home. Sorry, No Way Home. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I hear it's it's one of the best. And I heard some people saying it should have been it should have been nominated for an Oscar, but it, that was all uh, I wouldn't politics go that far. shit. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But it was it was good. Uh, I, it, go that far. I mean, so, uh, I. 
I'll put it this way. When a movie is, it's very rare, but if a movie is over two hours, it's, I'm, I need to, I need to leave. Now, on the other side of that, I really don't do too many subtitled movies. However, um, I'll say, I, I think I got tricked when I watched maybe um, Parasite. And it was this whole thing of, movie. yes. And it was this whole thing about like, don't let the the whole subtitles get in the way. Just just rock it. And I watched Drive My Car. I really liked Drive My Car. I, did, I got about halfway through it and I abandoned it. I got to go back and watch it. It was just a little too much for me. It, I, I do long. watch a lot of. Huh? Yeah, it's long. It's long. <laughs> but you know, I like the Snyder Cut. But but yeah, I did too. I did too. Four hours. People were complaining. Who's gonna watch a four-hour movie? It's just like you, 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 you binge watched, you know, ten hours of, of Bridgerton, but you can't, <laughs> you can't watch four hours of a, 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 a movie, and maybe even in black and white. Yeah, uh, it was a pretty great movie. Um, have you ever seen? Here's another movie. Uh, did you ever see The Bay? Uh, I started it. I, I kind of <laughs> tapped on it. I tapped on it a little early because uh, that was a uh, that was based in Baltimore. Well, it was in uh, in the Bay. It yeah. was uh, it was uh, Barry Levinson. I guess had some money and some time, and so he decided he wanted. Well, let's make kind of a horror movie set in the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, and that in and of itself is makes the word movie worth. It's not a great horror movie, but it's yeah. it's kind of fascinating. Uh, I'll check and, it out. You know, I love the Bay so. I'll check it out. I, I watch a lot of horror movies. Uh, the girlfriend and I, we watch Shudder regularly. Uh, so, yeah, that's literally the lane. Okay. The, the the movie you need to see that's out right now, I think it might be from Slovenia. It's um, You Will Not Be Alone. It's a witch movie. Okay. And uh, I, I saw it uh, like a week or so ago. I've got fallen down this like this rabbit hole of horror uh, on folk horror. Yeah. Um, and... Um, it's it's really a good movie. I was, uh, you know, it was right. It was my jam, of course. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Um, yeah. Uh, so I want to do my my wrap up or what have you. But it's great okay. to great to talk some movie. I might have to invite you to the movie podcast as let's, well. Yeah, let's talk movies. I got, I'm gonna bring my son on. We've been talking to him for a long time about doing yeah. a, a movie podcast. We have a we have a good idea that that we keep we keep talking about. But we're both so busy. Uh, I want to I want to thank you for being on the podcast, and I want to invite you to tell the folks where to check out your stuff. It's all about marketing, as you said earlier. Oh, um, <laughs> I hear this thing where you can do you put all your your links on like your your um, like your social media. To, there's like a, a link tree thing. I haven't done that yet. Uh, at all journalism is our uh, podcast uh, Twitter account and Instagram account. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. And Instagram and uh, Boss of Talking, which I th- which I'm really pl- uh, proud. Uh, that was that was name that was given me by an eight year old girl, and so I was like, okay, yeah, my okay, quick story. My um, the 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 professor, you know, the I, I, I taught podcasting for three years. I was okay, um, but one of my uh, the the woman who hired me was listening to one of my podcasts because so, I had interviewed her, and her eight eight year old daughter comes in, you know, hears me talking. And she's like, who does he think he is? The boss of talking. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God, please let that be a, a, a Twitter handle that no one has. And so that's what it is. Um, and then uh, it's all journalism.com is our podcast. And that's about it. 
So there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Michael O'Connell, the boss of talking, for being on this podcast. <laughs> and I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, journalism, podcasting in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. <laughs>